Well, we continue our way down the road to the good journey, and we are exploring all the different facets of this life of following Christ into the heart of God, and we find that in the Bible there are all sorts of journeys that are being taken and by all different sorts of characters. Today we focus on uh, an episode in the life of Jesus and then an episode in the life of Moses, both of whom have similar steps in their journey. So here the word of God as it comes to us from chapter 13 of John's gospel, beginning at the first verse. Now before the festival of the Passover, Jesus knew that the hour had come to depart from this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The devil had already put it into the heart of Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, to betray him. And during supper, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going to God, got up from the table, took off his outer robe, and tied a towel around himself. And then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was tied around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus answered, you do not know now what I'm doing, but later you will understand. And Peter said to him, you will never wash my feet. And Jesus answered him, unless I wash you, you have no share with me. And Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. And Jesus said to him, one who is bathed does not need to wash except for the feet, but is entirely clean. And you are clean, though not all of you. For he knew who was to betray him. And for this reason, he said, not all of you are clean. And then these words from Exodus chapter 14. As Pharaoh drew near, the Israelites looked back, and there were Egyptians advancing on them. In great fear, the Israelites cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you have taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done to us, bringing us out of Egypt? Is this not the very thing we told you in Egypt, let alone let us serve the Egyptians? For it would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Moses said to the people, do not be afraid, stand firm and see the deliverance that the Lord will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you and you have only to keep still. This is the word of the Lord. Let us pray. By your grace and through your mercy, we pray, O Lord, that you will allow these words to come to point to the word just read and to the word made flesh in Jesus the Christ. For we pray this in his name. Amen. <clears throat> Ira Glass, host and producer of a radio show called This American Life, once did a show on what he called Plan B. And as a part of the show, he gathered 100 adults of all ages, who, and he asked them to think back to the beginning of their adult life to remember what early plans they had composed for their lives. And he called these early plans Plan A, 
the fate that you, sure, you were sure fate had in store for you. And then after these hundred people had thought back to what their plan A had been at the start of their adulthood, he asked for a show of hands as to how many of them were still on track with plan A. Out of the hundred people he asked, one raised her hand, and she was 23 years old. <laughs> I suppose if you're not prepared for a plan B, then you are not prepared to live. It's one of the early lessons of life, that life does not go as planned. The only thing constant in this world is change, they say. Life is what happens when you've made other plans, to paraphrase a famous philosopher, John Lennon. I serve on the board of trustees of my alma mater up in Pennsylvania, Westminster College, and it's always a highlight for me to participate in the commencement exercises and to watch the graduates file in and then file out. Each of them, I'm sure, subjected to the repeated question, what are you going to do with your life? What is your plan A? They've just completed 17 years of education. They have majored in some subject. They have interviewed for a job. They have been accepted to some graduate degree program. So what is it? What is plan A? It's an interesting question when we know as sure as day that it will probably won't be long before they get asked the next question, which is, so what's plan B? Because life has its way of exiting us off our original path. We think we're headed west, but then there's this blasted detour sign, and now we're headed in a different direction. I'm not wild about detour signs. What about you? Especially since I'm a guy that likes to get from point A to point B as fast as I can. There is never a welcome sign for me to see an arrow pointing away from where I want to go and to see that wonderful word, detour. French for change of direction. It's time, the sign says, for a change of direction. The town where I grew up on the east side of Detroit, St. Clair Shores, had a street by the name of Detour. <laughs> I always thought that was an interesting name for a street. Where do you live? I live on Detour. <laughs> had a cousin that lived on Detour. I always imagined what it might be like to give people directions to your home on Detour. Turn left at Detour. Okay, then what after the Detour? No, just stay on Detour. <laughs> but the truth is, Detour is kind of where we all live, right? We all live in some other plan other than plan A, plan B, plan C, plan F, plan W. It's kind of the way the world is. Sometimes we choose it for ourselves, and sometimes it gets chosen for us. At the beginning of The Lord of the Rings, Hobbit Frodo Baggins, the heroic protagonist of Tolkien's epic, discovers that he has inherited possession of the ring to rule the world from his cousin. And now it is his mission to take the ring to Mount Doom and destroy it before it destroys the world. But he's not happy about it. He just wants to be a regular old hobbit. He'd rather be rid of the ring. He doesn't want this change of direction. And he says to his wise mentor, Gandalf, I wish it need not have happened in my time. No one wants plan B or C to happen in their time. No one likes the sight of a detour sign. And here is what Gandalf says in reply. It is not for us to decide what time in which we live. 
All we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. All we have to do is decide what time, what to do with the time that is given us. If plan A is not the plan, then what must we do with plan B? Which seems to be the question at the heart of the good journey. And it's a question that lies at the heart of the good journey because it's a question that lies at the heart of the Bible because the Bible is filled with all sorts of plan B's, all sorts of detours, all sorts of changes of direction. If your story gets told in the Bible, it's likely because you've had some large detour in your life. Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, Abraham and Sarah, Ruth and Naomi, Esther and Mordecai, Joseph and Mary, Paul and Peter, and maybe there's no greater example of this than the journey of Moses, born a slave in Egypt, sent down the river in a basket, found by Pharaoh's family, raised a good Egyptian, commits a felony and flees, ends up a shepherd in no man's land, gets called to save his people, reluctantly confronts Pharaoh, leads the people out of Egypt, and right up against the impassable sea. You know, I have to think that when Moses got up against the Red Sea or the Reed Sea, as some think, and saw behind him the Egyptian army gaining ground and with nowhere for the Israelites to go, I have to think that the first thing that came to Moses' mind was, life is what happens when you made other plans. <laughs> Done with plan W, now it's on to plan X. Here we are living on Detour, Detour Street, and when you're living on Detour Street, you have only one thing left to do. You listen for the voice of God. You listen for the voice of God. Because that's the good journey. The good journey doesn't always take us to good places. The good journey, like just about every human life, has its change of direction. The good journey has its perilous past. That's just the way life is. And it's not that God puts these twists and turns in our way. That's not what God does. It's just the way life is. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. Bad things happen to good people, and good things happen to bad people. It's the only way for me to explain the Michigan-Ohio State game every year. <laughs> but for the journey to be good... It would have us always listening for the voice of God and to show us how to move forward. I'm up against the impassable sea, Lord. Show me how to move forward. And God makes a way and God shows the way. God makes a way. God shows a way. It is what's so moving, I think, about Jesus confronting plan B. The mission, of course, has always been to reconcile the world to God, God in flesh to teach us the way of God. And despite God's best attempt to love us in Christ, the world turns us back on Jesus and plots to betray him. And so there is Jesus the night before his own demise. No more plan A, it's now plan B. Now it's a Roman cross. And what do you do when you're living in the detour? What do you do when you're living in that time you wished you didn't live in? What do you do when you're faced with this impassable sea? Well, if you're Jesus, you listen for the voice of God. And what the voice of God says to Jesus is take a basin of water and a towel 
and kneel down in front of your betrayer and wash his feet because that's the good journey. When the detour comes, when plan A is kaput, when directions are changing, it will always be the voice of God to tell us that the mission is still the same, to love the ones you're with, to love the ones against you, to love the ones that you find living with you on Detour Street, on the way to the cross, wash the feet of those who are soon to betray and abandon you. Years ago, I read an article about a woman up in New York, Iris Sanchez, who worked for the phone company. The phone company workers, however, had gone out on strike, so Iris was now home in her one-bedroom apartment with her 17-year-old daughter and her three-year-old grandson receiving only strike pay. Earlier, she had fled from her abusive husband and was glad to finally not have to wear turtlenecks anymore to hide the bruises from his attempts to strangle her. She was well past plan A, B, C. But Thanksgiving morning had arrived and she woke up thankful, thankful for her daughter, thankful for her grandson, thankful for her own little place, her own little sanctuary. And earlier at church, she had heard the voice of the Lord that to feed the homeless was like feeding Jesus. So she went out and got some turkey, uh, some white bread, and a little mayonnaise because that's all she could afford. And she made 30 turkey sandwiches. And then she started walking the streets, and with every homeless person she found, she gave them one of her sandwiches. And she got such a rush out of that Thanksgiving Day that she started making her chicken soup, her special chicken soup, every Saturday morning. And every Saturday afternoon, she roamed the streets and handed out her special chicken soup. When the detour comes, when plan A is kaput, when directions are changing, it will always be the voice of God to tell us the mission is still the same. Love the ones you're with in the detour. Craig Barnes, president of Princeton Seminary, tells the story of when he was a pastor and had planned and designed a monthly healing service for his congregation. And at the first of these services, when people were invited to come forward for specific healing prayer, a woman slowly walked forward and knelt before the pastor and asked him to pray for her plan B, her crippling arthritis. So the good reverend did. He prayed his hardest that the inflammation and pain of her arthritis would go away. Later that year, the same woman came forward. This time, however, now with the help of a cane. She needed now the help of a cane. Plan C. And so she slowly kneeled before the pastor and asked again for him to pray for her condition. The good reverend prayed again for this crippling disease to go away. About six months later, the same woman came forward, this time in a wheelchair, because the cane was of no more help. Plan D. Dr. Barnes kneeled before her and placed his hands on her and prayed for God to be merciful. 
And when he finished and opened his eyes, he looked and saw on the woman's face the brightest of smiles. Why are you smiling, he asked. Oh, oh, Reverend, because God is merciful, for he has healed my most crippled part. He has healed my heart. And he has healed me and freed me from the greatest pain, the anger that was destroying me. It took my body to stop working, for my heart to start working. God does amazing things on the street called Detour. Blaise Pascal and his Pensy said that God is a God of love and consolation who fills the soul and heart of those whom he possesses, who unites with us in the depths of our souls and fills us with humility, joy, confidence, and love, who makes us incapable of having any other end but him. He fills our hearts and souls with humility, joy, confidence, and love, and makes us incapable of having any other end but him. A good friend of mine got the bad news of a surprising cancer diagnosis accompanied by an ominous prognosis, Plan B. And the detour sign pointed him to the room in the oncology clinic where he would go weekly to receive his chemotherapy. And there he came face to face with all these, these children who were receiving similar treatments, five years old, 10 years old, 15 years old, with a life still maybe before them or maybe not. Regardless, he found them to be his neighbors on the street called Detour. And he said to me once, Steve, he said, I would never have wished this for myself. But now that I'm here, I see a side of life I've never seen. I see children who may never get the chance at the life I have. And I realize maybe, maybe I'm here for them. Maybe I'm here for them, to cheer them and to encourage them. Maybe in my short time, I can make their short time a little better. It's the good journey, wherever it takes us, the impassable sea, the frightening cross, the disappointing diagnosis, plan B, plan C, Plan W, life is what happens when you've made other plans. But the good journey, the good journey is to hear the sweet, tender voice of the one who fills our hearts and souls and who visits us even on the street called Detour. And there, hands us a basin and water and a towel and gently says, love the ones you're with, for God is love, and there is no other end but him.